This is a quick disclaimer. This week gets a little gruesome and might not be appropriate for young kids. Check out mythpodcast.com for more info. This week on the Myths and Legends podcast, it's a story from Scandinavian folklore. And you'll see that if your significant other has a corpse room and, almost worst of all, barely even bothers to hide said corpse room, it might be a good time to end it. Just make sure it's on your terms. On the Creature of the Week, Myths and Legends ruin something else. This time, it's making friends with random dogs. This is the Myths and Legends podcast, episode 81, Breakups. This is a podcast where I tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories you might not have heard, but really should. Before starting the story this week, I want to say that this story, though it's folklore set in Scandinavia, has almost nothing to do with Norse mythology. It's a standalone folktale about people breaking the first rule of the Myths and Legends podcast, going into the dark forest alone. She shivered in the forest at twilight. This was a mistake. Of course, she knew she had to find it. It was her family's only hen, their only source of income and food. She had to find it. Her eyes, adjusting to the darkness, deceived her. It had gotten late. Too late. And she was in the hills. As the forest got darker and leaves tossed on the autumn winds, the young woman's heart beat faster. Her voice got weaker and weaker as she called out to the hen. Then, she felt like she saw them, on the edges of her vision, watching her, waiting for darkness to finally envelop the forest so they could spring their trap. She knew that these hills weren't safe. There were rumors of hill people, trolls, evil from the time of the old gods, still lurked in the darkness. At first, she thought it was the wind moving through the trees, but when she listened closer, she heard a voice. It was a small voice, a weak voice. It called to her from somewhere off in the darkness. It said, Your hen trips inside the hill. Your hen trips inside the hill. The young woman froze. Her heart had leapt with the mention of the hen. But she wasn't stupid. This could be a trap. Still, that hen was life. She had to get it back. She steeled herself. She stilled a few minutes, maybe half an hour before nightfall. She could explore the hills just a little while longer and see who was talking to her. And if they had the hen, the woman could return the next day with a hunter or a mob or whatever and take back what was hers. She took three deep breaths and went deeper. She had been wrong. And in a few minutes, night had fallen. She could still pick her way gingerly around the trees, and her eyes would completely adjust to the darkness soon. When they did, she would run back home. No hen was worth this. The Scandinavian wilds were dangerous enough, without an ominous, otherworldly voice beckoning you from the darkness. She backed up to the tree, to safety, and then she heard the click. It was below her, and before she thought to jump away, a trapdoor went out from under her. It was not a gentle ride. Passage had been picked away, out of the rocks, and she tumbled down. When she tried to stop herself, her arms snapped back violently, and her face scraped the jagged rocks in the side. When she finally came to a rest in a few inches of water at the bottom, she was weeping. 
She tried to rise, but her arm was broken, and the skin in other places cut deep, sometimes to the bone. Finally, she did manage to get to her feet. She found she was in a small room, and with her good hand, she pushed open the door. She stumbled out into the room, and her jaw dropped. It was beautiful. Having grown up poor, she had never seen three gold coins in one place, let alone 3,000, or however many were piled in this room from floor to ceiling. She limped to another wooden door and pushed it open. Silver. She pushed another open. Diamonds. She pushed another open, a terrifying troll staring back at her from the darkness. She moved up. Wait a second. There was something a little off about that last one. She stepped back to look through the door and saw him lurching closer to her. She screamed and tried to shut it, but he relentlessly forced it open, ducked under the doorway, and entered the main room. The torchlight illuminated his face and, yeah, yeesh. So you heard my calls, the troll said, his smile revealing rot and decay. The girl had heard stories. He was a troll. He lived in the shadows of the hills. He lured travelers down to the darkness, and then those travelers were never seen again. The young woman shook her head as she walked backwards. No, that was not going to be her life. That wasn't going to be how it ended for her. The troll lurched closer and closer, dragging his scarred and calloused feet. As he got closer, she could see that he was nine feet tall and strong. He leaned down. She shuddered as he stroked the side of her face. He had one question for her. Will you be my sweetheart? She shook her head. This was so much worse than him just wanting to eat her or whatever trolls did. Glancing at him and all around the cavern, she uttered a barely audible no. The troll's fist shook with rage. Then, he threw them both back and screamed in her face. She gripped the rock wall behind her in terror, seeing spit and tears fly from the troll's face. Then, the troll reached out gruffly, grabbing the woman by her torso and her head. The horrific realization came upon her, and she had time to utter one muffled scream before he pulled her apart. They're not coming back, the girl said to her mother. They went out looking for the hen days ago. There are people who can survive the nights in the hills, and my sisters are not those people. First, the eldest daughter had gone out in search of the hen, and we just saw what happened to her. Then, when she didn't return, the middle daughter had gone out in search of it, and it had been two days since she had wandered off in the hills. The youngest was the only one left. She knew that her sisters were dead or worse. Still, she had heard a deep, woeful sobbing on the wind the night before coming from somewhere in the forest. If there was any chance they might still be alive, she had to go find them. Also, her mother was still going on about the hen, which, yeah, was important, but she had two daughters missing. Get your priorities straight. The youngest sister covered more ground than her other two and reached the hills by midday. She, too, was calling out for the hen, which I guess responds to commands. Really well-trained hen. Anyway, the youngest sister knew that she was putting herself in danger calling out for the hen, but it's what her sisters would have done. They believed in fairy tales and princes and that good people get good things and bad people get justice. The youngest sister, though, knew the world that she lived in. That's when she heard it. It was a weak voice, calling from a crack, somewhere off in the valley. Your hen trips inside the hill, it said. Wait, really? The sister thought to herself, they followed a creepy voice calling from a rock? Oh my gosh, they were almost asking to die. She started off toward the top of the hill to investigate from a distance, giving the voice a wide berth. 
not realizing that the elder two sisters, though maybe not as genre-savvy as the younger, were not the fools she thought them to be. They had taken the exact same path and ended up on the exact same trap door. She heard the click, and though she was surprised by the drop, she didn't do what the eldest sister had tried to do. She did not try to slow down. She tucked her head and arms in, and though she was cut by the rocks and wood all around her, she avoided the broken arms and anything fatal. She splashed to a hard stop in the pool below and rose to her feet. The sister pushed open the door to a room full of gold and was hit with the smell of rot from somewhere off in the system of caves. The dry blood on two of the walls of the cavern distracted her from the gold. When she saw that, combined with the smell of the bodies decomposing somewhere in the darkness, she knew what had happened to her sisters. That's when she heard the thudding. She didn't shudder. She didn't shake. She held it all inside. She didn't back up against the blood-caked wall. She just stood there and smiled. The troll stopped. A woman not fleeing in terror from him, prompting a poorly timed proposal and subsequent dismemberment? This... this was going pretty well. Will you be my sweetheart? The troll asked. You're gonna murder me if I don't, the youngest sister said. I absolutely will, the troll informed her. Well, then my answer is a tepid and unenthusiastic yes, the young woman said. Still a yes. I don't know what those other words mean, by the way, but you've made me the happiest troll in the world, fiancé. Oh, great, great. I'm so happy for you, the youngest daughter said. For us, the troll corrected. Hmm, yeah. For us, the sister said. All right, I'm headed out to work, honey, the troll said the next evening. What do you even do? The youngest sister asked, picking at the mostly raw deer leg that constituted her breakfast. Oh, you know, terrorize villagers, burn stuff, eat things that don't belong to me. It's a good gig, the troll said. Anyway, you leave and I'll kill you and everything you've ever cared about. Anything I can pick up for you while I'm out? I don't know, a new dress? This one is caked with mud and what I can only hope is human waste? The sister observed. Done, the troll said. Anything else? Um, some actual food? I appreciate the raw and only mildly rotten deer, but it's still raw and mildly rotten. So, some food without maggots. Weird, but okay, the troll said. Anyway, I'm late. I'll see you later. Once again, leave this hill and I'll kill you and everything you've ever cared about. Love you. The nights where he was gone passed too quickly. She explored her little prison and found that she could actually see the sky through the hole in the trap door. Way up above. She could see the moon for a bit each night to keep track of the days that passed. And she only felt safe when he was gone. Living with him was like living with a powder keg. He would be normal and conversant for a bit, but then even the hint of rejection would set him off, and she feared for her life. There was also the smell, the ever-present smell of corpses. She had been through most of the rooms, but there was one, one that stretched on, winding down into the darkness. That was where the smell was coming from. That's where the younger sister knew she might find the other two. That was the darkness where she feared to tread. Hey, so you've seemed down over the past couple of days, the troll said to his wife. And yeah, they're listed as married, but there was no ceremony. That just happens sometimes in folklore. Anyway, 
troll said as his wife took the food out of the blood-stained pack, not wanting to guess where the troll had gotten it that night. The clothes, the ones with minimal tears, and, yeah, more bloodstains, were nice too. What's wrong? The troll asked. Am I free to go? The sister asked in between bites. Absolutely not, the troll replied. Okay, well, there's still that, but also my mom, the young woman said. When I was out looking for that hen, it's because it was our only source of food and income. She could be starving right now. With me gone, she has no one to help her. It's really sad. Well, you can't leave, the troll said before tearing off a chunk of deer flesh. So, nice try. I mean, I could take her some food. I get. Could you? The young woman interrupted. Oh my gosh, thank you. Could you do it right now? Right now? You know, I just sat down after a long day of murder and... Pe sure, yeah. Go get a pack together the troll said. The youngest sister, beaming, thanked him and rushed to one of the other rooms. When she was out of sight, her smile quickly disappeared and she went to work. She grabbed a deep pack and piled in all the gold, silver, and gemstones that she could get her hands on, putting only a thin layer of food and ale at the top. Wow, it's heavy, the troll said when he flung the pack over his back. Yeah, well, she's been starving for days. Look, you have to go before the sun rises or you'll turn to stone, the sister said. The troll rushed off toward his mother-in-law's house, and the youngest sister sat back in relief. There's a bit where, a hundred yards out from the cave, the troll stops and wants to see why the bag is so heavy, so he starts to open it. The sister yells at him to keep moving, and he curses her sharp eyes before continuing on. It's a small point, but it's important to the wider tradition the story belongs to. Days after he delivered the pack of gold without realizing it, the troll returned after a long night of work to see the young woman, the de facto love of his life, embracing another man. It was a bearded, hairy human person with a long, skinny face, and he jumped up and ran in terror from the troll as he bounded toward the uninvited guest. All he could do was scream as the troll grabbed his head and tore him apart. You, I can't believe you. You were cheating on me? The troll spat at the young woman, bloody hands clenched in rage. What? The sister yelled. That was a goat, an animal. It fell down your creepy trap door, and I was helping it. I wanted to keep it as a pet. Did you, did you really think that was a person? Oh, 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 yeah, that makes more sense. Wow, I am really sorry. That's my bad. I just came home from work, and I saw this bearded guy, and I was like, Ugh. Goat, you saw a goat, the sister corrected. Yeah, 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 right. I can fix this, the troll said, and went to go root around one of his treasure piles. And soon, he pulled out a flask. He scooped up the body of the goat and laid it on the table, putting its head back on the neck. He poured just a bit of the ointment from the flask into his hands and began massaging the neck until there was no more tear. Soon, miraculously, the goat began bleeding in terror. It leapt from the table and fled from the troll, but it was alive. The sister's jaw dropped. She had a plan. see what that plan is right after this. Alright, now back to the show. It took a few days for the troll to leave the cave again, and the sister knew that her plan would take her to the one place in the cave she didn't want to go, the dark tunnel. Still, she didn't know how long she had until he would be back, 
so she steeled herself, tried to ignore her churning stomach, took a torch, and opened the door to the cellar. She descended the stairs and immediately guessed where the stench of corpses was coming from. It was likely the corpses all around the room. The sister had to hold back her vomit as her feet squished in the remains on the floor. She had to go barefoot. She couldn't risk him seeing the blood on her shoes and asking questions, Bluebeard style. The younger sister had heard those fairy tales too, but the decay hadn't gotten, the rats had. The sister guessed that some of them had been here for months, probably years. That was until she saw a familiar color off in the corner of the room. It was her sister's dress. She choked back tears as she saw what the troll had done to her sister. She found the middle sister too in the same state. She gathered both of their bodies and their heads and left the middle sister on the stone outcropping, up, away from the rats. She slogged back through the bodies toward the stairs, carrying the elder sister's corpse and finally saw the lights from above. Even though she was holding her own sister's corpse and still a prisoner, she had never been so happy to be in the room that had been her prison for the past few weeks. If finding the corpses was bad and putting the ointment all over the broken parts was even worse, the sister watched as the broken bones and cuts healed and the torn appendages reattached. She held her breath until her eldest sister regained consciousness. After a solid 30 seconds of straight screaming, remember her last memory was a troll palming her head and pulling it off, the eldest sister calmed down and hugged the youngest. The youngest sister explained that they were captives in a troll's cave, but that the eldest sister was getting out. Tonight, the youngest sister dragged the food bag over and told the young woman to get in. They didn't have much time. The troll was annoyed. After a long day of being a Scandinavian boogeyman, he had to take his mother-in-law some groceries. But his wife, the youngest sister, was relentless so he threw up his hands and said he'd do it. It, too, was really heavy for food, and he was starting to get suspicious that the woman who he had captured and married against her will might not be completely truthful with him. He waited until he was much farther away than the last time, dropped the pack, and started rooting through it. That's when he heard, impossibly far away, the youngest sister's voice, telling him to keep moving toward the mother-in-law's house. Seriously, she was hungry, he jumped back and looked all around, marveled at his wife's amazing eyesight, and continued on his way, laboring under the weight of the pack. The youngest sister had to wait a couple more days after that successful delivery before she, for the second time, descended into that chamber of horrors. She dragged the middle sister's body out and applied the ointment, reviving her too. The troll, being unfamiliar with how much humans eat, didn't realize that we don't usually require hundreds of pounds of food in a single week so he was annoyed but compliant when his young wife asked him to take the food again to her mother. On that trip, again, he stopped even farther out, almost all the way to the house to see what was inside the pack, thinking that his wife's vision couldn't be that good. He was surprised then when he heard her voice, warning him to keep moving. He looked around, muttered a few curses, hoping that her ears weren't good as well before dropping the pack off at the shack. Over the next couple of days, the foul cave and the constant stress of impending death began to take its toll on the young woman, and she grew increasingly more ill. It got to the point where she couldn't even rise from bed and prepare her husband's raw deer legs the way he liked them, mildly rotten. One night, before he left for work, 
She told him not to even bother coming back before 4 a.m. She needed all the sleep she could get, but she would try to have some food on the table for him because she loved him so much. He thanked her, told her to get well soon, and went off to destroy the lives of dozens of innocent people, as he did every night. The moment she heard the door close and the bar slammed down on the other side, the sister was up. She went to work. She found the goat, led it to the small pool of water, kissed it on its hairy goat head, and said she was so, so sorry, and cut its throat. When it finally finished bleeding, she dressed it in her clothes and put it in her bed. Next, she found the flask, buried in the pile of gold, and dropped it into her pocket. She looked at the door leading to the cellar and said a small prayer. She had tried to bring back some of the less decayed young women, but they were too far gone. She brought them back to life, only to watch them die all over again. It was something she'd never forget. Standing in the pool where she and both of her sisters and the goat had landed, she braced herself on the walls, pushing with both of her hands and her feet and slowly climbing the long and steep tunnel. It would be a difficult time for someone on Scandinavian Ninja Warrior, let alone a peasant who had never trained. But the sister knew the alternative. She knew that it was the only way out. And if she didn't take this chance, this night, then she would never have another. She would stay forever under the hill with a troll until age or his unpredictable rage killed her. Sweat poured down her forehead and her muscles burned, but slowly she climbed up the shaft. The scrapes and cuts and bruises were nothing compared to a lifetime with him. She didn't halt, didn't waver. She climbed until she reached the trap door and, for the first time in weeks, felt the cool air of the forest on her face. She had made it out of the tunnel, but she wasn't free yet. Not as long as this troll lived. He had threatened her every day when he left that he would destroy her and her family if she ever escaped. She knew that he would make good on that threat, so she had to get to them before he did. She had been a good distance from home when she had fallen through the trap door, but she had been reviewing the path in her mind for weeks. She couldn't afford to get lost and have the sunrise. That was when she heard him. In the forest behind her, she could hear him bellowing with rage. He had come home early. He had found the goat in the bed. He would no doubt be coming for her. She smiled and looked at the sky. She could make it. She ran as fast as she could, jumping over streams, skipping along roots, and just plowing through thorn bushes if it came to that. It didn't matter. She had to give the signal. He was big enough to barrel through the trees, and his skin was thick enough to withstand the cuts from the underbrush. He would be there right on time. She neared the edge of the forest and could hear him right behind her, probably yelling about how if you want to break up with someone, you do it to their face. You don't leave a dead goat in their bed, though a dead goat really got the message across. Out of breath, she screamed, now, and dove through the trees. She just missed his hand as he swiped at her feet, and she also missed the gunfire from the other side, which was lucky. This was the 1700s, and those guns were not accurate at all. They didn't need to be, though. The youngest sister had told the middle sister the plan. She said that she had been watching through the trap door, and at the next full moon, she would escape. On that night, everyone in the village that had lost someone to the forest, which was basically the whole town, needed to be there by the house of the mother and daughters with a gun. They would take a stand together against the darkness, against the monsters of the past, if only for that night. She didn't know who, if anyone, would show up to face down the monstrous troll. So she was surprised to see the whole town there firing into the forest. They had organized themselves like a militia. The guns took an unreasonably long time to reload, 
so they fired in stages while the other groups reloaded. That way they could keep the troll at bay with a near constant barrage. There was a time, though, when everyone needed to reload, and a crushing silence pervaded the clearing by the house. People gripped knives and clubs and sticks in the event that the troll exploded out of the forest, looking for vengeance, but nothing happened. The youngest sister was first at the tree line after a few moments of silence, and she looked behind the leaves to see nothing, nothing but the troll's blood on the foliage. He had fled. The people, guns reloaded, hesitated. It was easy to stand in the torchlight and fire out into the darkness, much harder to follow the monster into the forest. No one was that brave, even though the youngest daughter urged them on. In the end, she could only look at the trail of blood and wonder, wonder if they had gotten him, wonder if he would be returning. They never did know, and the town kept their superstitions and fears, thinking the troll could still be out there. When he didn't return the following nights, the daughters were reasonably sure that they were safe, but memory of that horrible place was just too much. And, taking the sack of gold, silver, and diamonds, they used the money to live comfortably in the city, far from the forest and the monsters of the past. The blood on the ground dried, and the trail was lost. No one, especially not the sisters, wanted to retrace it. So no one knew that the troll, limping back to his home under the hill, never made it. Not because he bled out. His injuries weren't that severe, but because he had stayed out too long. That had been the youngest daughter's plan all along. She knew that he didn't fear any weapon, but he did fear the sun and the light. He made it to the doorway and, crouched over the opening, turned to stone when the morning light hit him. He did it in such a way to completely conceal the opening. With that, and the trap door that had been wedged shut by the youngest sister, no one would ever find the troll's cave with untold riches and unspeakable horrors hidden inside. Those are trolls. Today's story had a very specific type of troll, but in truth, trolls come in all shapes and sizes in Scandinavian folklore. They're basically the boogeyman that haunts the hills. Today's creature was one type of troll, while Ogmund, the adversary from the Arrow Odd story, was also a troll, despite being a very different type of creature. They can range from beautiful and magical to ugly and monstrous, and everything in between. They're the other of the forest from the murky past. Even though we all unfortunately know about internet trolls, it's possible that folklore trolls are not the origin of the name, with it instead referring to the fishing technique of dragging a baited hook from a moving boat, luring people into responding to something that's obviously inflammatory. If you're a fan of the Grimm Brothers, you'll probably recognize this story. It's really similar to Fitcher's Bird, in that a human serial killer abducts young women and does the whole bluebeard thing, where he tells them not to go in a room, the room's full of bodies, and they're discovered, killed, and unfortunately added to the body count. A younger sister finds the others, reassembles them, and tricks the killer into taking them home. Afterward, she smears herself with honey and covers herself in feathers, dancing along the road and telling all the killer's friends that she's Fitcher's bird and that the wedding to his beautiful young captive is that away. When the killer and his friends are all in the house, she bars the doors and burns it down. Even though Fitcher's bird is much more popular, I went with this story because it fills in a lot of the gaps from Fitcher's bird. In Fitcher's bird, she just puts the body parts back together 
and the sisters come back to life. Now, but that solution is in a lot of grim stories, and it's always bugged me. And once she's pledged to marry the serial killer, she has power over him, and he has to obey her. And she doesn't trick him into carrying gold, but gives him gold for her family. The bird thing is also odd, and I just like this ending a lot better. That's it for this week. Next week on the show, it's the very beginning of a story of stories. 1001 Nights, or Arabian Nights. And it's one of the most violent, bizarre, and deeply unsettling stories that I've ever read. Hey, so you might know, but we started another podcast. It's called Fictional, and it's almost exactly like this, but set in the world of classic lit. There are already two episodes waiting on the feed. A Sherlock Holmes story and the tale of the cursed monkey's paw. Next week, we're starting with Dante's Inferno. Thank you so much to everyone who's downloaded it. I could not believe the response. If you like myths and legends, you will love Fictional. You can find it on Apple Podcasts at apple.fictional.fm, Google Play at google.fictional.fm, Stitcher at, you guessed it, stitcher.fictional.fm, and everywhere else by just searching for Fictional. The creatures this time are two different dogs, one from the U.S. and one from Germany. They say you are what you eat. And that's doubly true about the axe handle hound. It's a hound that eats axe handles and also looks like an axe handle. We have a mini dachshund that eats many things she shouldn't. And that's basically the axe handle hound. It's a long and skinny dog with stubby legs, but its mischievousness is limited to, you guessed it, axe handles. It'll sneak into campsites and eat any axe handles it sees. It only needs to watch out for the very inedible axe heads because those don't go down as easy. It's no danger to you, just your productivity. If you want to go chop some wood and find that the handle to your axe is missing, you want to watch out for this little menace in the woods of Michigan and Minnesota in the US. For the next dog, say you're out taking a nice walk around midnight and a friendly looking dog walks up to you. Great, right? Nice night and a new dog friend. How could it get better? I'll tell you how it could get better. That dog is hopping up to you on two legs, maybe holding out its paw for a furry shake, maybe paddling through the air in a mock running motion. I don't know. What I do know is that you are already dead. That dog ate you because, and I know this probably comes as a surprise, dogs don't usually walk on two legs alone in the road at night, shaking paws with strangers. And yeah, I'm as disappointed as you are. I wish we lived in a world where that was a thing. And yeah, I'm sorry. First, myths and legends ruins tickle fights in the woods with strangers, and now we're ruining bipedal dogs. The creature's called the Offhawker, and there's no way to kill it. So if you're out on a German road in the middle of the night, be sure to be by ringing church bells or try to get to sunlight, because it hates both those things. At the very least, don't go shake the hands of the bipedal dog, as awesome as that may seem. That's it for this week. The theme song is by the band Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to other music in the show notes, and I want to say thanks again to Spotify for sponsoring us this week. Every episode of Myths and Legends is now available on Spotify. I know what you're thinking. Wait, Spotify has podcasts? Yeah, your go-to place for all things music now has the world's most popular podcasts. To stream Myths and Legends on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and look for us in the podcast section. Follow us and all your favorites to get new episodes in your library as soon as they drop. For more, head to spotify.com slash podcasts. Today's episode was written by me, Jason Weiser, and produced by Chris Weiser. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.